Give me a board. Energize. Energize. Bridge, it's shorted out again. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Random Redshirt Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Zach. And as always, the other host is Chris. What's up, buddy? Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone around the world. Uh, Zach, it is, it, we are so honored to have Sean again with us today. It's going to be awesome. Um, it means a great deal personally to me. And this, this, is, this is great. So, Zach, I know you're going to introduce Sean. But um, yeah, Sean, thank you so much for being here. It's incredible. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I I don't really think Sean needs an introduction. Uh, but if if you don't know who he is, which is a little bit disturbing, uh, he's an incredibly talented actor who is most well known for his roles as Deacon Sharp on soap operas The Bold and the Beautiful and Young and the Restless, AJ Quartermain on General Hospital, and of course the Tournament Terror and Karate's badass bad boy Mike Barnes in the Karate Kid Three, and now Cobra Kai. He's also appeared in films with Bruce Willis and created and starred in his Emmy-winning show, Studio City, which streams on Amazon Prime, and so much more. He's a life coach and an author, and we're going to get into all that stuff. So, Sean, you know how much of a fan I am of yours. Blessed to call you my friend and happy to yeah. have you back on with us, bro. Thanks, brother. It's great to see you and Chris. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if I asked you this question the last time we had you on because you were our first guest we had on way back in the day, a couple years ago. And I don't remember if I asked you this question, but where was like your entrance into the business? Like, how did your acting career first get started? My acting career first started when I was in high school uh, in Western Pennsylvania. I had signed with a modeling agent and I booked a regional television commercial. And I don't think I even had any dialogue in it. But it was the big campaign with billboards and a commercial. And uh, what was what was really catalytic about that was it got me my SAG card. And for those people that aren't actors, getting your SAG card is very, very difficult. It used to be that you had to have somebody offer you a SAG job to be eligible for the union. And they had to pay an extra amount of money to do what's called Taft-Hartley bringing you into the, uh, they'd have to pay your, your union due. So it was really, really difficult if you weren't in the union. Now you can get in by doing background work and some other stuff. But long story short, um, when I came to uh, Los Angeles in 87 and already had my SAG card, it was an enormous, enormous advantage that in retrospect really played a huge role in, in helping me early days. But it was a it was a commercial for, I want to say, it's called Union Bank. Mm. Union Bank, I think. Yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, Karate Kid 3 was huge, huge impact for, for Zach, huge impact for me. The whole Karate Kid series, huge impact for us all. Um, right. But I, I know you've shared this with us before, but if you wouldn't mind sharing again, like your entry into Karate Kid 3, like how that how that happened. It was very intense and I think a wonderful story. Yeah, so I'm looking for a picture right now that somebody <laughs> recently sent me. Uh, so I got it from an open call, right? Uh, the studio put out uh, a message and just said, basically, anybody who wants to audition for the role of Mike Barnes, the new heavy, show up at the studio on this, I think it was a Saturday, whatever. And uh, Mike Barnes was described as a 17-year-old white Mike Tyson, which I never thought of myself of that. <laughs> so anyway, I showed up. 
So I'm gonna show you a picture that somebody sent me. This is actually a video, but this is just a picture. And it's John Abelson being interviewed saying, well, what are you looking for? And he said something to the effect that we're looking for someone who knows some martial arts and who can be intimidating and we can get very cheaply. And total serendipity, look who is just in line oh. behind John Abelson. Is that crazy? Wow. Yeah. And so I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I was doing an interview before I did Cobra Kai last time. And um, they came to the set of Bold and the Beautiful. And they were interviewing me about Cobra Kai. And I said, this is so surreal because when I did the open call and the audition, I, I did an interview with uh, Entertainment Tonight. And they said, well, we have a very deep vault and we're going to find that interview and i said well that's what i'm afraid of so they put this <laughs> where you can actually see the moment that i'm in line and john abelson comes up and starts talking to me uh and and from there i do an improv with him and then you see me inside uh doing a martial arts demonstration and getting interviewed by entertainment tonight all you have to do is google sean cannon entertainment tonight and it's crazy and i hadn't seen that footage in 35 years until wow. they put this piece out and you know how you remember really seminal moments of your life but you know they're kind of colored by time and and all sorts of different you know facets in the prism of how we remember things mm -hmm. it was really very much just like i remembered it because it was such a profound occurrence in my life that it really imprinted itself on my memory but it was really cool to watch it after all these years yeah, that would be that would be very surreal. Um, I know uh, that you've shared the stories many times of your getting injured during Karate Kid Three and stuff like that. If you haven't uh, listened, because it's audio only, uh, back then to our first interview with Sean, go back and listen to that. And he's got some really amazing stories and an, an unbelievable story uh, during filming where he got injured to the point of near death, I believe, right uh, at one point. And so then you get brought back for co for Cobra Kai. And I know for a couple of many of the seasons of Cobra Kai leading up to season five, people were clamoring for you to come back. I was the biggest clamor of that. <laughs> to bring you back to Thank Cobra you. and see my cards again. Yes. Now, I must say, I only have one disappointment okay. with your appearance in Cobra Kai. That I got knocked out. That you got knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. The reason... The reason that happened was I was still in production for Bold and the Beautiful. And oh. so I had to get back and film Bold and the Beautiful. So they they wound up truncating my part a little bit, which oh. you know, was bittersweet. But let us not forget that once Mike Barnes came to, he did, in fact, save Johnny's life. He did. That is true. Get that. Johnny, a guy with a katana, suddenly in comes Barnes. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... I've said it for a long time. If there was one bad guy from the Karate Kid to take in a fight, I'm taking Mike Barnes 10 out of 10 times and twice on Sunday. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> now, so in season five, I, I was curious on your experience working with your buddy uh, Yuji, I think is how you say his name, right? Yuji Okamoto, yes. You, yeah, as chosen. And you got to work with Billy Zabka in that hilarious scene there in the last episode of season five. And, of course, obviously being reunited wow. with Ralph. Um that scene was hilarious when you get out of the stretch limo and clearly you're, you know, uh, Daniel thinks you're high on something. Up. 
and you go and you like you you tackle Johnny and you guys kind of start getting ready to go at it and he's like yeah you're like yeah you want to go again chief or whatever like that whole scene was epic I tell you Billy Billy and I and Ralph we were talking about it and first of all that's probably Ralph's favorite episode in the entire series wow he, he said that I was really honored that he said that I think probably the funniest line in the entire series is when Billy goes, the bad boy's right. Yeah. All <laughs> right. But I'm 57 years old. He still called me the bad boy. I love it. I thought that was so funny. Um, you know, that was a magical scene. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of time to shoot it. Um, and, you know, everybody just kind of brought their A game and it gelled. And, you know, the thing with that scene was, you know, there's, there's a lot of humor in it, but there's a lot of pathos when Barnes is talking about everything he's lost. Yeah. And so it's, it's like a kind of difficult emotional balance. And not to mention there was some, uh, you know, little fight choreography in it. Um, and it just all kind of came together and it was so much fun to work with those guys. They're all great guys too. Billy Ralph and Yuji uh, are just terrific human beings. And it's so funny because, you know, it's, it's the guys that play the bad guys that are really wonderful guys. Not, not that Ralph isn't, he is too, but you know, you would expect that, but UG and, and Billy are just terrific. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. You know what I, I what I liked about it too, is it, it really is a full circle because yeah. everyone becomes allies in there in Cobra Kai, you know, when they were antagonists before now they're allies here joining, joining to, for the same yeah. purpose. And I love the, that. The nice thing was, you know, it, it took something like Cobra Kai to get, chosen and mike barnes together because on what planet would you know chosen from uh okinawa and and mike barnes from presumably like um uh, you know where in the valley uh van nuys or, or somewhere like that ever cross paths and yet here they are and you know i think even chosen and and mike barnes formed this sort of mutual respect airsats friendship you know by the end when mike's helping him out and you know, the whole bit with the couch and everything really just had a great. <laughs> yeah. The part where you go up to the door and you're going to kick the door and like, you're going to break your leg. Let me do it. <laughs> and then he goes, and it's just, yeah, that whole episode uh, seeing you. I remember when Jen and I watched it and we looked at each other when you got knocked out and we're like, wait, 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 he got knocked out. Like, and we couldn't understand why yeah, do yeah. that. And I'm hoping, I know you can't talk about it, but I'm hoping that, there is maybe a chance that Mike Barnes returns again in season six. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Keep if, the faith, I'm keeping the faith because even if you are in it, I know you couldn't say anything just like you couldn't for season five, but we're going to keep our fingers crossed here that uh, we get to see you again, get to see you back in action some more. Um, it was funny when we had you on the first time. I remember you joked about how funny it would be if Mike Barnes came on Cobra Kai as like a, a guidance counselor or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> came on as a furniture salesman so right <laughs> it was pretty good yeah you know I, I i didn't really understand it at first when the guys were telling me you're gonna have this furniture store and i just said look you guys are geniuses i trust you whatever you come up with is going to be great and, and, and it, it was we're looking forward greatly anticipating to what the future holds yeah it's Thank it's gonna be very awesome. much yeah well listen uh no matter what happens uh season six is going to be epic um, you know, I think it's going to be the biggest by far, both in scope and probably budget and everything like that. And I can't wait to see it either. My whole family loves it. Um, you know, we watch it as a family and it's, it's yeah. so, it's so much, so much fun. 
do you guys binge watch it yeah yeah <laughs> all of it but uh, let me tell you, Sean, uh, Jen just rewatched it all the way through beginning to end for the third time. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> she's obsessed with it. She, That's she's absolutely obsessed with Cobra Kai, which is, which is great because all the stories I told her about growing up as a kid and being a fan of the Karate Kid franchise. And now she's hooked. I'm like, see, I told you. That's so awesome. <laughs> told That's you. That. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many levels to it. You've got these, the relationships between, you know, the adults, um, and how that develops and then the relationships between, you know, the students and the kids and how that develops. And so that's wonderful you know, I to see. This, I think one of the magical things about Cobra Kai is it acts as a unifying factor for families because, you know, guys my age like it because of the nostalgia of remembering when they saw the original films in the theater. And there's that anachronistic quality to Johnny who still sort of has his one foot in the 80s. And then there's the whole younger generation. And it's very difficult to effectively write for two different generations. You know, um, the, the, the pop culture references are different. Uh, you laugh at different things. You're at different places in your life. And yet the big three have managed to um, straddle that fence metaphorically. And it unites people, meaning, meaning parents and their kids, who probably don't spend quite as much time as, as they would like to together you know you gotta find things to do that you all like and it just sort of serves as this thing that everybody likes and at least for that period of time that they're watching it you know you can you can be together and enjoy something in common so i think cobra kai is really you know healing the world uh one episode at a time yeah. that was beautiful we're doing god's work that's right it's yeah. it's generational. I mean, the the Karate Kid really has become now even more generational with Cobra Kai coming into that. And right. um, I, I I obviously would imagine that you know your role and being a part of the franchise has to mean something pretty special because I think as we see it and and with the popularity of Cobra Kai and the res and maybe I don't want to say resurgence, but but just resurgence amongst young kids with it that it, it's a franchise that could easily outlive all of us. Oh. For sure. I mean, they, you know, there's still a ton of source material as evidenced by the fact that there's another movie that's going to go into production with Ralph and Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there's probably going to be some spinoffs from Cobra Kai. So I, I think that this is this is not the end for the franchise. It's, you know, the end of this chapter. Sean, outside of Cobra Kai, would you mind like sharing some of the seminars that you're helping with people that you're that you're doing with people sure so you know i'm really involved and in passion with working with people uh both one-on-one -on -one through my coaching through my seminars and through my public speaking i just had an amazing opportunity a few days ago i went and spoke at the uh juvenile detention facility in indio california it was just just an amazing experience you know there's kids in there that are getting ready to matriculate back into society and there are kids in there that are going to be shipping off to big boy jail and uh one in particular had a life sentence you know to go in there and have the opportunity to try and reach even a couple kids to potentially make a difference in someone's life i take that very seriously you know most of what i talk about based on the information in my books in my life uh and so i've also been doing a lot of seminars um, I have new seminars coming up March 9th and 10th. I have my 
acting seminars, which is acting in the business of acting, crushing the monologue. And then I have Unleash, which is you know, Unleash Your Inner Badass, which is all the information from both Way of the Cobra and Welcome to the Kumite. And then I have another seminar after that uh, called the Way of the Cobra Blueprint for Weight Loss. And you can uh, check all that out on my Instagram and Twitter or go to wayofthecobra.com and there's still space available. It's, it's almost a little bit selfish in doing it because it, it reignites my passion when I teach these seminars and I get as much from the participants as I give to them. I mean, it really is a, a reciprocal uh, couple hours that we spend together. And I see people making absolutely enormous quantum leaps in their life uh, as a result of these seminars. And it really makes me feel very good about it. Man, that's awesome. There is such, you know, we sense that such an intensity of purpose, like from you to like help yeah. others and serve the community, which is beautiful. You know, I just, I never, you know, when I was younger and I was leading my life in a much different way, um, I used to always sort of hide behind this, look, I'm nobody's role model. It's not my job to be a role model just because I'm an actor. And that was a cop out because I wasn't living my life in a way that anybody would want to model. And, you know, once I made some, some tectonic shifts in my life and began living my life with, you know, a level of integrity and character that I knew I was always capable of, but just couldn't quite seem to put into effect. Um, I found people seeking me out for mentorship and asking advice. And it was just strange. At first I was like, me, you mean back, is there someone else back there? And, <laughs> and after a while I stopped doing that and was like, you know what? I, I, do have some valuable stuff to help and teach people. And, and I gladly now take that mantle of being a mentor and a sensei uh, to people. I take it very seriously. And, you know, I love acting and I mean, acting is my first love, but it's not my only love. And I am every bit as passionate and serious about my, my coaching and my speaking and my books as I am about my acting and my producing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've spent all day today Michelle and I, my wife, because uh, we're writing the third installment of The Way to Cobra, which is called Cobra Couples. And it's a relationship mm. book. Michelle and I are writing together. And I'm that's fantastic. Very excited about it. You know, very excited about it. And I, I, you know, say in the introduction of the book that there's many things I can teach you as your sensei. But when it comes to relationships, it requires having uh, a second perspective. And so I want to introduce you to our guest sensei, my wife, Michelle. And uh, it's, it's, it's really been a pretty amazing experience um, working on this book with her. I didn't know what to expect. You know, you know, you, you know, I love my wife and she's great and she's talented, but you don't know in a work situation how you guys are going to get along doing it. And I anticipated that there was going to probably be, you know, some friction, but really there hasn't been. It's, it's been so collaborative and has brought us even closer than we were before that this book is giving us an amazing gift before it's even done. And I want it to give that same gift to a lot of other people, you know, cause I mean, relationships are tricky, you know, and, 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 you know, we're just like kind of two crazy kids who figured a couple things out. We're not, we're not PhDs. We're not psychiatrists, but we've figured a couple things out having, you know, a long lasting relationship in Hollywood, which isn't the easiest place to have a relationship. And there's some stuff I think that we can, we can pass on. 
that's yeah that is beautiful i look forward to to hearing that because your combined voice is going to be beautiful yeah. in that book. i mean and, and it's set up exactly yeah. like the way the cover books i mean it's it's yeah. set up with the belt the chapters are divided into belts it's got sort of the same you know tongue-in-cheek voice of a sensei you know it's very much written in how i talk you know and if and if you know me and you've hung out with me you know i, I got a pretty bad potty mouth and <laughs> i i kind of call shit as i see it and, and that's kind of how i do it in the book and no I think you don't do that sean <laughs> <laughs> yes if you have not picked up sean's either of sean's book the first one way of the cobra or now welcome to kumite where can people get it so they can uh they can get them on amazon uh Way of the Cobra just came out on Audible. It's read by me. Uh, and even if you've read Way of the Cobra, I strongly encourage you to get the Audible and listen to it because it really gives you a whole different flavor when you hear me reading it. Uh, and Welcome to the Kumite, again, on Amazon. And it just came out on Kindle about two weeks ago. And if you'd like to get an autographed copy of either one, or photos for that matter, you can get them at wayofthecobra.com. You can also sign up for the seminars there. Uh, all things all things, me are on uh, waythecobra.com. Now, I, I do want to ask you in, so we all know the famous insert from the Karate Kid 3 where Terry Silver first finds tournament terror Mike Barnes. Yeah. In the back here, I believe this is um, uh, Sensei Demura. Sensei Demura. And Pat Johnson was also instrumental in. Oh, wait, that was that was Pat that, Johnson. This is Pat. Jo yeah, the referee, That's Pat, Pat Johnson, Johnson, right here. Yeah, yeah. That's Demer in the front. Right here. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, both of them have passed away in the last yes. couple of years, and, and yeah. I, I'm curious, Sean, if you could just maybe share some of the things that you learned from them, wh whether it's during your time on Karate Kid Three or during your time. I know you you got back on the saddle, as you said, uh, in mm -hmm. in karate. Yeah. Um, studying and i'm curious on some of the some of the, the life lessons and martial arts lessons maybe that you you glean from those two uh, legends i would say the biggest thing with pat johnson was you know when i did karate kid 3 i'd never done a big studio film and i was not the disciplined man i am right now and i needed i needed discipline i needed i needed to understand how things worked and I needed to do what I was told. And I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't um, rebellious. I just kind of didn't know certain things. And Pat had a very firm hand with me, but in a way that I always felt was with respect and even, even almost like fatherly, you know? And that's why I responded to him. Um, as a young kid, I was the kind of guy that if you gave me positive reinforcement, I would do my best to rise to the occasion. But if I felt like you were sticking your finger in my chest, um, that, that brought, that brought in another guy. And, um, because of that, I was able to learn all of the things I needed to learn for the movie very quickly. You know, um, I was not a black belt when I did the film. And so they had to kind of look at my skill set and say, okay, here's this kid who's got very strong basics, but you know, I wasn't the guy like Daryl Vidal that could do all these jump spinning flying things. So they took what I could do and said, we're going to make him look as dangerous and tough as we can within those parameters. And, and they pushed me, they pushed me to get out of my comfort zone. But um, I, I felt like I was always in really good hands with Pat. That's what I got from Pat. Sensei Demera 
Well, they both were living legends, but Sensei Demura was a living legend. You know, a lot of people don't know this about Sensei Demura, but his real title was Shihan. And Shihan means master. But what a lot of people don't know is that Shihan is a title handed out by the emperor of Japan. So it's really akin to being knighted. Wow. Um, so it's a tremendous honor. And of course, Sensei Demura was such a extremely humble man to a fault that, you know, you'd never hear that from him. I, I found that out. Sensei Demura also had a great sense of humor. He was very funny. And um, I, I kind of used to love to tease him. Um, I, I remember after he had, had his, he had had a stroke and I said, Sensei Demura, how are you doing? And he goes, hey, sir. People have trouble understanding me. And I said, Sensei Demmer, they had trouble understanding you before the stroke. So I wouldn't even worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> but he was such an amazing man, a brilliant martial artist. And the, and the one thing that I, I've always taken with me that he said, he taught me get knocked down seven times, get up eight. Mm. You know, it's kind of like the speech from Rocky five, I think, six, I don't know, Balboa, I don't remember. And, you know, he's talking to his kid and he's like, you know, you know, the world doesn't meet anyone halfway. Everybody gets knocked down. It's how much you can take, you know, and it, it's true. Everybody who's successful gets knocked down. You know, there's that great quote by Michael Jordan. I don't know if you remember it and I, I'm, I'm going to botch it, but he, he says something to the effect of, you know, I missed X amount of game winning shots. I lost X amount of games. I missed X amount of free throws. And that's why I'm the success. And it's, it's true. It's, it's how you come back from perceived failure without allowing, allowing the story that you attach to it to be one of failure. You know, you attach a story that it's a teacher and to learn and to move on and to grow from it. And uh, that's something that he taught me. He also taught me um, just the importance of really perfecting the basics, the basics of martial arts that, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the Bruce Lee quote, you know, I don't fear the man that knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man that's thrown one kick 10,000 times. And, and to watch Sensei Demura do the most simple techniques with the fluidity and power that was so beautiful, it, it gave me something to aspire to, you know, forget all the fancy stuff, just realizing that even with strong basics, um, you, you can be formidable. And, and that, that really, if you think about it, is the essence of what Miyagi taught Daniel. Yeah. You know, Daniel didn't learn anything exotic with the exception of the crane kick, which frankly was something completely made up. Uh, my buddy Daryl Vidal was the creator of the crane kick. I'm going to see Daryl tomorrow, by the way. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, but, you know, Daniel, Daniel beat everybody with flawless basics. Yeah, it's beautiful, Sean. I mean, you you make the connection to basics in the martial arts is like similar to like the basics of our our own internal values, right? Like uh, like refining those as we go along. Um, and I think like you bring that beautifully, like in your book, um, the way of the cobra. So, are are you still um, connected in the karate community or the the martial arts? Yeah I've, been, yeah, I've been training uh, privately with um, uh, Jun Chong, uh, with his son Yong uh, in Beverly Hills, Jun Chong Taekwondo. I've never trained Taekwondo before. Um, I just felt like it might be a good idea to learn some flashier things. You never know when you might have to use those. And uh, I, I just thought uh, that would be good. And so I've been training with him for probably about six months. 
Um, and you know, as long as my body will allow me to, I want to continue training. Um, you know, martial arts for me is something that's not only the physical aspect of it, but it's embodying the essence of martial arts, which is, you know, you know, beauty and humanity and compassion and strength and confidence and, and, uh, you know, will and self-discipline and all those sort of things. And I look to apply those into my day-to-day life and how I deal with other people and treat them. And, you know, um, the physical aspect and the self-defense aspect is extremely important. But um, for me, the other aspects are equally as important. Now, of all the times we've talked and hung out and everything, Sean, I don't know if I've ever asked you this question. So forgive me, forgive me if this is a trade secret. I want to know your technique, like where, how do you draw on emotion when you have a very emotional scene? I think whether it's been in the soap operas, whether it's been on Studio City, whether it's been in Cobra Kai or Karate Kid 3, and I'm thinking right now specifically that season five episode 10 of Cobra Kai, where you go from being just, you're going to tear somebody's head off. I'm going to beat the crap out of, out of Johnny to getting so emotional because you're, you've lost everything because Terry Silver burned down your store. How, where do you draw from? How do you get to that point? You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be coy with you, but I've always believed as an actor uh, with the exception of my acting seminars that I teach that I don't really like to, show how the sausage is made you know what i do what i do is 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 my little secret recipe and uh you know you want to you want to seek me out i'll teach you some of what i know not all of it but i think when you explain it too much it it wrecks the illusion when people watch it mm-hmm. you know to a certain extent i think that doing interviews does that too you know, Robert De Niro talks about that. He's like, I don't do a lot of interviews because, you know, the more people get to know Robert De Niro, the less believable I become in other parts. And I agree with that. I, I think that the reality is you can say that when you're Robert De Niro. I think that for most actors, it's important that you have a presence on social and, and you know, do publicity and things like that because it does help you to get other parts. But as far as kind of explaining how I, you know, do those things, that that I kind of keep close to the best. I figured that might be the case, but I wanted to ask anyways. Um, so speaking of that, Grace, Grace desperately, desperately wants to be an actor one day. Mm. She is. She has uh, done some. How old is she? How old is she? Ten, she's ten. She'll be eleven in August. Um, and so she's done some theater camps. She's done uh, some performances, things like that. And so I, I've asked this of, of most of the guests we've had. I don't think I asked you this the last time we had you on. But I, I want to ask some advice you may have for a young, aspiring actor or actress. I think it's great if she continues to cultivate natural talents she has, if it's singing, if it's dancing, if it's performing in plays and things like that. I think it'd be great if she got into a sort of a tween acting class. The stuff that I teach is too mature Mm -hmm. because there's a reality as an actor that 
a lot of roles deal with sexuality and adult themes. And it's not even about having sex, but it's, it's about sort of how you change as a person once you're adult as, as opposed to a child. And so I would suggest that she does all that. But if I had to give her one piece of advice, I would give her this. Work to become as self-aware as a human being as you can be. And I know that seems like a tall order for a 10-year-old. But the reason is this. How can you effectively slip into the role of another human being until you really start to know who you are? And, and that's why I think for actors, it's imperative that you read, that you study another language, that you study a martial art, that you travel, that you try and experience as many things as possible, also doing as much work on yourself as possible to understand yourself. Um, now, at 10 years old, you know, it's a different process than when you're a little bit older, but it starts with, you know, a lot of acting is about reacting and it's about listening. You know, some of the greatest moments in acting are not when an actor is speaking, but it's when they're listening. But you're not just waiting for the other actor to finish their lines so you can speak. You know, you're having moment to moment existing life while they're talking to you. And so one of the best ways to improve doing that is to be a good listener in life. Cultivate being a good listener, cultivate being present, you know, cultivate being aware of triggers for your emotions and things like that. And, and slowly, you know, you'll start to build a toolbox. Um, you know, the, the funny thing about acting in life, we, we build up walls. We put on armor as a way of protecting ourselves from the slings and arrows of, you know, other people's criticisms and insults and generally the, the aspect of life that can be cruel. As an actor, it's your job to break down those walls and rip off that armor and expose yourself emotionally and be vulnerable. So in a sense, acting is, you would, you would think it's antithetical to being prepared for life, but I believe acting is a metaphor for being your very best, most authentic self. I, you know, I've come to believe as I've gotten older that life, at least for me, is going to start being less about the accomplishments that I can rack up, sort of the, the, the resume points. And more, I read this in a book by Peter Atia, and he said, you know, he calls them um, resume points versus eulogy points. You know, things, things people say about you when you're dead. And so for me, it's more about getting rid of all the things that are not Sean until there's just Sean. Do you know what I mean? You know, we, we, we take on so many things in life that are, artifice and ways to protect ourselves and ways we think we should act. And I, I think if you seek to get rid of that stuff and become the most authentic version of yourself, it will make you a much better human being and certainly a better actor. So that's kind of what I'm looking to do this next 50 years of my life. You know, I, I think what you said is like so important for people to hear um, that journey of becoming more self-aware and knowing who you are. Yeah. So, so in, in your book, um, where the Cobra, you talk about feeding the dark Cobra, right? Yes. And so, so as you're removing these things that are not you, you're becoming more aware of who you are, but right. each of us has these dualities within us, right? With the, the, the yin and yang, if you wouldn't mind sharing like that aspect of duality and feeding the dark Cobra and like integrating that part that you may not, 
be happy about, but integrating that into you to make make yourself so, the most authentic person. Famous story, a lot of people might have heard it referencing wolves, but I kind of changed it a little and used cobras. And there's an old Hindu snake charmer, and he's sitting in front of a fire with his young grandson. And he says, my grandson, there's a war that rages inside of me. There are two cobras that fight continuously. One is light and one is dark. And he says, grandfather, which one wins? Now, the way the story usually goes is the one that you feed wins, okay? But I believe that you have to feed both of them. You have to feed the cobra made of light and the cobra made of dark. See, the cobra made of light embodies love and compassion and justice and kindness and all of those types of qualities. The dark cobra embodies force of will, manipulation, decisiveness, um, uh, ability to impose their personality on others, um, the ability to circumvent rules. And the thing about it is, and you know this, Zach, because you're a Star Trek fan, and I bet you know before I even say it which episode I'm going to reference. But you remember the F where, there, where, where there's two Kirks? Yes. Okay. You're talking about Mirror Mirror? No, was it? Was it Mirror? No, Mirror Mirror was when there was. Yes, it was. It was when there was the two Kirks. Yes, that's right. Mirror Mirror. Yeah. And so, you know, there was the one Kirk who was vindictive and ruthless and cunning, but had the power of command. And there was the other Kirk who was loving and compassionate, but he was indecisive and in times of chaos appeared to be weak. And the point is, it was only an assimilation of the two Kirks together that gave him the tools that he needed to be able to effectively command. And we're no different. So if you starve your dark cobra, then the dark cobra is waiting around every corner looking for a moment when your defenses are down so that it can eat. Um, and you got to decide how does your dark cobra manifest? Um, you know, um, maybe your dark cobra is that you're the kind of person that you just need to be alone sometimes. Go up into the mountains, be alone for a week. And sometimes you don't even tell anybody about it. I don't know. Sometimes you, I don't know, whatever it is, you, you, you need to identify it and figure out a way to feed it occasionally so it's not starving and waiting for you to attack but that it doesn't overcome and become the dominant cobra, that it functions in harmony with the light cobra. Yeah. And, 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 so I, and, that, and that's a real balance. At, the, at, at its essence, that's what balance is because we all have a dark side. We all have a shadow side. You know, it's, it's those individuals that don't run from it and hide from it, that recognize it and learn how to use it to empower them. You know, it's funny. It's like you asked me, you know, how, I mean, most people say, well, Sean, you're a pretty nice guy. How can you play that really scary bully or some of the bad guys I played? Well, I absolutely have that inside of me. That's not, that's, that's not somebody that's just waiting to get out that I have to sit on, but I, I have that ability to summon up that guy. If I ever need him, I don't need him too much, but you know what? <laughs> Yeah. It's nice to know I got him if I do. So, so, and that's how I can do it as an actor because it lives within me. And, and we all have that part of our personality. And I was wrong, Sean. It's the enemy within. 
is the yeah, two Turks. I knew episode. it wasn't Mirror Mirror. This. Mirror Mirror was <laughs> Spock with the beard. That's right. It was Mirror Universe. Yes. Right. Yeah, the enemy within. Yes. That's true. Okay. Damn it, uh, Zach. That I know. So last last question. Uh, last question I'll ask you here. Uh, a question we'd like to ask a lot of our guests, and and I know you got to run. Um, we did uh, two great nerd debates. One Star Trek versus Star Wars, and another one was the greatest decade of all times, 80, 1980s versus 1990s is the two decades that we narrowed it down to. Now, this was greatest decade for movies, nothing else, just movies. Mm-hmm. Some people have said, oh, no, it was the 70s. I'm going to ask you. Do you 70s think- had great movies. It did. Do you think that the 80s or 90s was the greatest decade, or is there another decade that was the greatest ever for movies? Well, he thinks, Zach, what year did Karate Kid 3 come out? Um, not. I thought it was 1990. Was it 89? Might have been 89. Yeah. Uh, He should know. uh, Why am I questioning him? (laughs) I was in an emergency room in 1988 on Christmas Day, almost dying while I was filming it. And then it came out the next year. Top films of the 80s. Hang on. Definitely 89. So. Did you think it came out in the 90s, Chris? Yeah, that was in my mind. For some reason, I recollect that. Well, I thought so too. I was thinking ninety. I don't know why. There's something else that came out in ninety that I thought it was on the border, but um, ooh, this is a tough one. Look, each decade had brilliant movies, right? Um, but I'm gonna go by one simple test. When did Top Gun come out? That was eighty-seven. I want to say. God bless. That's tough. <laughs> I'm was eighty-seven. Oh, 86. I was off by a year. You know, I, I got to be honest. I think I think it might have been. Yeah, Breakfast Club in the 80s, right? Yep. yep. I think, yep. Jaws was 79, wasn't it? And so yeah, was Jaws was 70s and Star well, Wars was 77. Got to give it to the 70s. Yeah. 70s, because okay. Because Star huh. Wars was um, a quantum leap in filmmaking. There'd never been anything like it. So you have to give it to the 70s. Not to mention The Godfather, Apocalypse Now, uh, Jaws. So for me, I would say it would have to be the 70s. But between the 80s and 90s, truthfully, I think probably the 90s gave us some better movies. But I'm going to take the 80s because that was that was my decade of, you know, my coming of age decade. Yeah. And I think everybody always thinks, just like Johnny, it's like, you know, the music from the 80s will always be the best to him because that's the music where he first made out with a girl and he first you know, <laughs> drove a muscle car. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's attached to those kind of events. Yeah. I, I, I would argue 80s just just from the sheer fact that so many uh, franchises, movies, stuff, TV shows, stuff like that from the 80s have have been brought back either as reboots or remakes and but the 90s it's such a hard debate and we each took a side right and, uh it, it was fun um so yeah listen i hope you guys will read uh, uh welcome to the kumite i really hope yes. you'll read that um there's uh uh the book sheds a light on how i got myself into such a dark and challenging place. And I'm, I'm brutally honest and open about it uh, in a way that I, I didn't touch on it that much in Way of the Cobra. Uh, and so I, I, I think the reader gets a chance to really know me a little better. And there is tremendous, tremendous information in Welcome to the Kumite. Yeah, I will love to read that. Good. Yeah, thank you for well, writing it. I will love to read thank it. Thank 
but I'll expect to see your order later this evening. That's otherwise, right. Otherwise, I'm going to show up during the black sleeveless game. <laughs> Most excellent. <laughs> Wish you still had that. <laughs> Wish you still had that gi. But yeah, uh, you and me both. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, All right, guys. This well, is, Sean, I go, uh, get back to the grind. Yeah, Thank we appreciate so much, it, my friend. Uh, I'm hoping it works out that we can see each other. Thank you to all your viewers, and uh, I, I really love your podcast, and I love the name. I really love the name. Um, Want to wish you all the best, my friend, and uh, let's hopefully talk a little more frequently than we have been. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. yeah, as always, everybody, thanks so much for watching and listening all over the interwebs and the globes, Chris. We appreciate it. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Go follow Sean on there because there's nothing you have that he can't counter. So make sure you go check it out. It's true. It's true. Take care, everybody, and we'll catch All you right, next guys. time right Take here care. on the Random Redshirt Podcast. Bye-bye.